Good morning everyone and a somewhat belated Happy New Year for you. Um, I was at a group during the week and one gentleman arrived and um, so somebody wished him a Happy New Year. He said he'd, he'd had a night without sleep and he was really quite silly. He made that statement when he arrived. Anyhow, um, this person said, and a Happy New Year to you Richard and he said, um, expletive that, I'm a Jew. Because this is not Jewish New Year, that comes later. But Happy New Year to everybody. (laughs) This message is really part two. The first part I did some months ago at night. I talked about the amazing grace of God and I talked about what an offence it is to us, humanly speaking, to be given something so precious for nothing something that we've done nothing and can do nothing to earn. We have such an innate sense of fairness and right. You know, even a small child will say it's not fair. We're all born with that sense of what we feel is fair. And it isn't fair that we should be totally forgiven our sins and accepted by God in his grace when we've done nothing whatsoever to, to deserve it. But that's what God's grace is all about. And I remember at that first message saying, well, now I would like to turn round and talk to you about what God's grace does in our lives. Well, that's this message. This is about what God's grace does for us. And I've taken as a theme verse, not from Ephesians, but what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'll come back to that a little bit later. But first of all, let's read again that passage. Um, I know it was read for us earlier, but we will read it again from Ephesians. Hello. What's happened to it? Oh, well, we've lost the first bit, but never mind. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul says in that passage that we are saved by grace. What does that mean? Now, there are about 60 references to grace in the New Testament and obviously we can't go through them all. We're just looking at a sample, just a little idea of what God's grace does for us in our lives. First of all, He says in Romans that we are justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now that justified freely. That's like somebody who owes a debt of $500,000, has no money, has no way of paying that debt and is sued for that amount of money and he comes to court, there is no way in the world that he can pay that amount of money. But the judge says, I will pay the $500,000 on your behalf. Here it is. He hands the $500,000 to the man to whom that money was owed. He has been repaid his debt. He is satisfied. The judge then says to the person who was the debtor, you are now free. Your debt has been paid in full. You owe nothing. You are a free man. Go. And that man walks out of the court not a stain on his character, not owing a cent. It has been paid fully by someone else for him. That's what it means to be justified freely. There is nothing that we can do that God will not forgive. We sometimes have this funny feeling in our heads, God's forgiven me from this and that and the other, but God can't forgive me for this particular thing. Actually, it's we can't forgive ourselves. So we put that on God that he can't forgive us. But this verse assures us we are justified freely by his grace. Someone has written a great comment on this verse. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. It costs the Son of God his life. This verse mentions redemption. Our justification was bought at the price, at the cost of Jesus' life. It comes to us free, but it was very costly to God to offer the life of his son in exchange for us. So that's the beginning of our relationship with God. That's what Paul says where God takes us out of the kingdom of darkness in which we lived when we were dead in our transgressions justified us and he has brought us into his kingdom of light. But it doesn't stop there. I always have this feeling that when I was young, the gospel was preached as if you came to God, you thanked Jesus for dying for you, he forgave you your sins, you accepted that and then you kind of got along by pulling up your own bootstraps till you went to heaven and you got your entry ticket to heaven because Jesus had died. But kind of in the meantime, you just did the best you could. And it's selling the gospel short because grace goes on all through our life. And this is just a sample of what the Bible says that grace does for us in our Christian life. Um, Acts 20 tells us the word of his grace which can build you up. So it's not that we are born again as Christians by God's grace and it finishes there. God's grace continues to act in our life to build us up, to see us grow up. He doesn't leave us as baby Christians. There's nothing sadder than a child who hasn't got the ability to grow up and remains a helpless babe all their life. God doesn't leave us that way. He builds us up. Now, mind you, we have a part to play in this. That's not just sitting at home doing nothing, twiddling our thumbs and God will build us up by his grace. That's reading his word, praying, 
coming to Bible study, to home group, coming to church, talking with other Christians, meditating. But you know, sometimes people have done a whole heap of study in other areas and it's been to no avail. There are plenty of people wandering around in Australia at the moment who've got degrees, maybe more than one university degree. They're qualified to do something, can't find a job, so all that study's gone for nothing. But by God's grace, every tiny little bit of meditation, of connecting with him, connecting with his word, connecting with other people, by God's grace, he will use that to build us up in our Christian life and character. And then in this passage in Ephesians, he talks about the incomparable riches of his grace. God does not dole out his grace in tiny little teaspoonfuls at a time. The incomparable riches. Paul's saying God's grace is so full. There's so much of it. It has so many facets that we cannot get our human heads around us around it. And it's not like, well, there's God's grace and here we are. God is saying I want you to have the riches of my grace. What happens if you feel you haven't got enough money to exist on? If you feel that, although Australia is a wealthy country, that your income is not really enough to meet your needs. God's grace will allow you to tap into his incomparable riches. We need never be afraid that we won't be able to pay our debts, to put food on our table, to educate and clothe our children. God's grace will supply it. But Jesus in the Lord's Prayer taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Not a 15-course degustation meal. (laughs) What we need to supply our daily needs, the food we need that we can grow and be strong and healthy. God's incomparable riches are not there just that we can live a luxury lifestyle, but that we can have everything that we need. When we'd been in this church just a few weeks and still didn't know anybody, Eric and I were sitting over on that side and some of you may remember Jenny Kneebone was sitting over on that side and she got up and made an announcement and she said that they, they had, had money, they had a, a cash box of money for the casserole pool and because there were ladies who cooked casseroles but couldn't afford the ingredients so they could be repaid out of that money in, from the cash box. And she said somebody had broken into church house through the week and stolen that cash box and there was no money to supply the casserole pool. Would anybody in the church who felt moved just supply, give a few dollars so that they could start building that fund up again? So I took, at the end of the service, I took $20 out of my purse and put it in my pocket and I started to walk down here across the church to Jenny I didn't know anybody and Jenny was standing surrounded by a heap of people and I felt a bit awkward about the thought of going up and just kind of waving a $20 note at her. But as I walked along the front here, there was a woman standing there. She was part of the worship team. She was just standing there and the Holy Spirit said to me, 
give her the money. So I took the $20 note out of my pocket and I said, God has told me to give this to you. And she gave me the most funny look and I can't even remember whether she said thank you or not, but anyhow, she went her way and I went my way. The next week, she was looking for me at church and she said, I'm really sorry, I couldn't say anything to you last week. I was so overwhelmed. Now, this was 21 years ago when $20 was worth a lot more than $20 is today. She said, I've had a lot of work done on my teeth and I've been repaying the bill. And she said, I'm on a pension, I've got very limited income and she says, I've still got $20 to pay and I had no idea where that money was going to come from because I didn't have it and I needed it to pay the dentist. And she said, I'd been praying about it and she said, you put the exact amount of money into my hand. God will supply our need from his incomparable riches. But not... (laughs) God didn't tell me to put a thousand dollars in her hand. <laughs> it was enough to meet the debt that she owed and that's how God sees us and that's what we can depend on. I love um, Paul's words to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We don't have to try to find strength in ourselves. Our resources run dry. Amanda was reading us that passage from Isaiah. We all faint. We all feel weak. We don't have to find those resources in ourselves. It's God's grace that will give us the strength to face whatever it is that's coming. And who knows what's coming in our lives this year? None of us knows. But you can rest assured that God will give you the strength to get through by his grace. Then in Romans 12, we've got one of the passages about gifts. We know that we have spiritual gifts. God gives us spiritual gifts. Now, in God's grace, through his Holy Spirit, we don't all have the same gifts. We don't have any flowers today. I cannot arrange flowers. No use trying to tell me how to do it. I can remember one time in West Ride when I had to do a vase of flowers. It was a girls' brigade function and I suddenly thought, oh, we need some flowers at the front of the church. I put water in the vase. I took the bunch of flowers. I dropped them in the vase and I said, God, they're your flowers. You make them look good. (laughs) I have none of those craft or any of those gifts that you often associate with ladies. But by God's grace, other people have them. I have the gift of communication. I'm well aware of that. That's one of my main gifts. Other people don't have that same gift. It's God's grace that makes sure that within a congregation we have all the gifts that we need so people will have totally different gifts. And some of us will have the gifts in greater measure than other people. And I believe if you've got a greater measure of a gift, then comes a greater responsibility in how you use it. But again, never be jealous or envious looking at anybody else from the gifts that they've been given or the amount of gift they've been given. That's all decided in God's grace. He he puts all of us together and uses us all together as his body. Different gifts, different amount of gifts, all by his Holy Spirit and according to his grace. I love this uh, verse from the beginning of John 
where John says that the law came by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. And I thought at the beginning of a year it's really good to look back on the previous year and think about the blessings that God has sent us. One blessing after another. And that all comes to us through God's grace. And then to sum it all up with this famous verse that Paul says in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. We can remain weak all our lives, that's fine. Because it's God's grace that will provide us with the strength, that will provide us with absolutely everything that we need. Now I think a lot of messages on grace kind of finish there. But to me, that's a bit like the game we used to play in Friends for Life where we used to stand back and have a bucket over there and throw beanbags into a bucket. So what I've done this morning is a bit like throwing beanbags into the bucket of your life with all these little bits and pieces that God does for us through his grace. But I want to take you on further than that because I think that that's incomplete. There's another verse in that, not that same passage, but in that chapter in Ephesians where Paul says, you're no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people. He said that God brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and he's brought us into his kingdom. We are now citizens of the kingdom of God. Now citizenship is a hotly debated topic and I'm not going to talk about citizenship in Australia. I'm going to talk about citizenship in another country so we don't get caught up in any political ideas about what it might or might not be. But I have a feeling that although we have in heaven, as it were, a certificate that says, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God and I've got a passport to get me to heaven, I have brought with me some of the values and the outlook and the way of living and the customs, the way I see life from my old citizenship in the kingdom of darkness. I feel there are times when we haven't really cut that off and become fully citizens in the kingdom of heaven. I, I hope you've heard about Gladys Aylwood, the small woman, the English woman who went to China. The little English woman who was a parlour maid, a very humble, ordinary person and who was rejected by the China Inland Mission as not being fit to be a missionary's bootlace who failed her course, who couldn't learn Mandarin, who couldn't understand anything about Chinese culture or whatever and who was told you'll never be a missionary but nonetheless who went to China and who saw thousands of people converted and hundreds of churches established, never mind the hundred children that she rescued in the Second World War that everybody knows about. It's a whole heap of work that she did for God in China 
she learnt Mandarin by simply sitting with the local women in their houses. She learnt, she was never initiated in, there was no orientation into Chinese culture like our modern missionaries have where they're taught about all the customs and the culture. She just got straight into Chinese life, into Chinese customs, Chinese culture. And after she'd been there a few years, she made the decision that she should become a Chinese citizen. She was eating Chinese food, she was speaking Chinese, she was wearing Chinese clothing, she was living in a Chinese house, she was sharing in all their customs and culture and so she thought, why have I still got a British citizenship? I should be a Chinese citizen. Now when she became a Chinese citizen, she tore up her British passport. Now when I read that, that stunned me. Because for most people they would have a dual nationality. They'd keep their British passport. Who would want to tear up a British passport for goodness sake and have a dual Chinese nationality? She tore up her old passport in order to become Chinese. Because she didn't work for mission society, there was no... A set pattern about how often she was to go back home and go on furlough and have a rest and so she didn't. She spent many years in China before she was able to go back to England but eventually came the time for her to go back and stay with her family and so she, she telegraphed them. Of course it was go by ship to Southampton before the days of just getting on a plane and flying. It took weeks and so she got the, the ship came to Southampton, <clears throat> she got a train from there and she telegraphed the family what time the train was arriving and the family all came to the station and waited, can you imagine, after not seeing her for 15 or more years, I've forgotten how many but it was a long time, how anxiously they were waiting on the station and the train pulled in and as you do, because I'm sure you've all stood on Blackheath Station looking for people and you eye everybody as they get off the train. And so the family stood there looking at every passenger who got off the train. Everybody got off. Everybody walked to the end of the platform and the train went. No Gladys. Now they were sure they'd got the day and the time of the train right. Where was she? What had happened? Had there been an accident? Had she missed the train? What had happened? And then they saw at the very end of the platform <coughs> this little old wizened Chinese lady. And they didn't take any notice of her wearing Chinese clothing and with a minimum of luggage because that wasn't Gladys. That was just some little Chinese lady. But when everybody else had gone and they had another look at that lady, that was Gladys. Apart from her cast of feature, she had to all intents and purposes become Chinese. Now that struck me as a brilliant illustration of us as citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven. Would our former friends and colleagues who knew us before we were converted, who knew the old us, how much would they recognise the us now as citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven? Have we changed so much? Because we jolly well ought to have. I've just got this feeling that 
some of us still have almost dual citizenship. Citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, yes. But have we really torn up our passport from the kingdom of darkness? Have we really renounced that way of life? And what's that got to do with grace? Because you see, when you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, as Gladys took on that whole outlook of Chinese life, not just wearing the clothing and eating the food, but seeing life as Chinese people did, that's what God wants us to do as citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And the way we look at life is to see God's grace. It isn't that God dulls out a bit of grace today and then maybe he'll dull out a bit more grace on Thursday and a little bit more on Saturday and so it goes on. It's to see our whole life lived in God's grace. It's to alter our perspective and that's what the word repent means. We often take repent to mean I'm sorry for my sins. Sorry for your sins is remorse. It's not repentance. Remorse is the first step. If repentance is a journey, remorse is the first step. But repentance is more than just being sorry. Repentance is turning your back on that outlook. Not just on doing that, those wrong things, but on seeing life that old way governed by Satan, ruled by Satan and my own desires. Repentance is turning to God and instead seeing life God's way and that's what grace is all about. So that whatever happens to me tomorrow, it isn't if something, if some disaster strikes, it's not, oh God, you've turned your back on me, you've forgotten me, forget about grace, there's no grace here, it's all just horrible. To see Everything that happens in our life through the eyes of grace. Now life is going to be horrible. There's no doubt about that. Living in the kingdom of God doesn't mean we're going to live a comfortable, luxurious lifestyle. We still live on earth. Satan is alive and well and roaming the earth and life throws some pretty horrible stuff at us. But if we can look at that whole experience that it comes to us through God's grace. If God doesn't immediately fix the problem, heal our disease, supply us with the money, put a roof over our head, fix a relationship, whatever it is, if God doesn't immediately fix it, then what is it that his grace wants to do for us in our life? He's not turning his back on us. He's not denying us his grace. He's using this through some way that maybe we don't understand to build us up, to increase our faith, to strengthen our relationship with him, to knock off some of the red rough edges in our lives of impatience and so on. Whatever it is, God's grace uses absolutely everything that comes to us in life. And it's a matter, no matter how terrible we feel, understand that God's grace is right there in the middle of this experience. Now, 
That doesn't mean if I'm struck down tomorrow with some terrible disease and I go to the doctor and he says, right, I can give you a course of treatment for a month and it'll fix it, I don't say, oh, no, thank you, God's grace will look after me. Or if I have a debt of $1,000 and I've got no idea how I'm going to pay it and somebody offers me a job and I can save up the money to pay it, I don't say to them, no, thank you, I don't need the work because God's grace will pay the debt. God's grace uses the ordinary events in our life to help fix the things that are wrong in our life. So don't, don't um, like the person who's, who prayed as they were driving into a large car park for some, something very important and said, oh Lord, I really need a car space, please provide me with a car space. And there was a car space and as they drove into that said, oh no, don't bother, thanks, there's a car space there. God, God will use those circumstances in our life to work his grace in our life. So might you in this year continue in the grace of God, not just at odd times when we're aware of God's presence or whatever, but continue every day in the, in, in the conscious knowledge that God's grace is there for us whatever happens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just bowled over by the thought of the incomparable riches of your grace. Lord, forgive us for having such a limited idea of your grace, your mercy and your kindness. Open our eyes to see what it is you want to give us and what you want to do for us in our lives. And this year, Lord, no matter what comes our way, may we never forget that your grace is there for us all the way through and your grace is sufficient for us in all circumstances.